Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. Um, the sun was just really shining, <laughs> so much that it's like pull a blind down. And then as I just turned, looked, it's just pouring down. Um, but when you're listening to this, apparently it's supposed to be getting nicer. I know, it's so, I'm sorry to be so English <laughs> and just talk about the weather, but my God, guys, the crazy weather, right? Uh, anyway, I hope you're having an okay week. Thank you so much as ever for your beautiful comments about last week's episode with Natalie Morris um, and the whole series you've all been so kind and so wonderful if you have enjoyed it if it's uh, been any use to you at all please do rate review or subscribe or just tell someone about it all that stuff really helps and means I can continue to make this podcast thank you this week I'm talking to writer and comedian and podcaster Helen Duff. Helen is the host and creator of the Come As You Are podcast, which, as you'll hear, is all about orgasms, um, which we talk a little bit about. It's nice, nice not to uh, instantly talk about death on the show, so that was a... Uh, that was lovely it's a brilliant podcast very very interesting she's an amazing comedy performer and improviser she has an improvised show called makers of meaning that she does online as well um and she is yeah a brilliant human helen came in to talk to me about her grandma who died last year helen do you want to just briefly say what the, the podcast is about, just so people know? <laughs> I'd be worried that someone's listening to a death podcast jumps to yours. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, quite a transition. Although yeah. I guess, in a way, the French call They're it pretty... a mini-death, don't they? Yes, it's all about, I love that phrase. It's yeah. all about orgasms, by the way, just in case we don't even mention that, get straight onto the French. It's all about <laughs> orgasms. I talk to women and non-binary folk about orgasms because... I didn't used to be able to have them. And then about 30, I discovered I could, having completely given up. Wow. So I think it's quite a good jumping off point to talk about things like identity and yeah, yeah. sense of self and relationship with the body and also just kind of pleasure in general. It doesn't have to be sexual. Um, so, yeah, we talk about all those kinds of things. And it's so exciting to think like, okay, I've sp- spoken to people that were obvious like the ones I really want to talk to immediately. Yeah, people who are like public about their orgasm In that history. first <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, some people know. are. Some I'm, people are like, I know about their orgasms from watching their comedy. I mean, <laughs> like, that's. I guess that's true of me. I'm, I'm probably the architect <laughs> for that. But uh, for now, this second series has been really fascinating, talking to people like historians, you know, oh, literary yeah. historians and people who are more kind of activists and just from different walks of life. Really exciting, yeah. Yeah, of course, that's it. Have you read the... There's a book called The Same, I'm sure, accidentally. <coughs> I haven't Emma. read it. I should do. Oh, it looks that great. that is really... It's by Emily Nagoski. Nagoski. Mm. And she has another book, just to... Why did I put it? Because I'm reading it. Oh, it's called Burnout, which she wrote with her sister, which is also brilliant. But Come As You Are, I think is... Oh, this is very off topic for Gleevecast, but it's really interesting about, yeah, like how how female sexuality, like the sort of the science bit works really mm. what happens and it's fascinating and I found yeah I when I read that there was loads of stuff in that I was like 
what? If someone had explained that to me at 16, like you've all these things, you're like, oh, I see. That's how that works. Like just, yeah. So I think it's amazing that you're doing Does it go into it. anything around, because it kind of links with what I'm listening to at the moment. I'm listening to hypnobirthing tapes at the moment. Oh, of course, which we should say you are pregnant. Heavily up the dark. <laughs> <laughs> up the dark. I'm so sorry to make that all No, it's absolutely fine. What a tragedy that Edinburgh isn't happening this year, <laughs> just so I can't use that title. I and mean, that's the and only I reason. I thought that this morning. I was like, <laughs> up the daft. And then I thought, Carrie, don't make that joke. And I thought, oh, but if she'd had Edinburgh, she could have done that. That's really good. <laughs> um, that's the biggest, that's really the biggest loss to us all in terms yeah. of <laughs> missing Edinburgh this year. But I am, um, I've been listening to those tapes and yeah, the science behind the way in which fear, the fear response means that you're the two muscles of like the uterus and the cervix either contracting or relaxing. One has to do one and the other has to do the other in order to get the baby out easily. If fear gets in, then those two things do the opposite. So the uterus doesn't, the uterus whatever it it does the opposite and they don't work together. So as a consequence, like the, the body is responding to something social or something emotional, but mm. there is like a science behind it. Whereas I think often, because we don't learn about the biology of things, we just blame ourselves in a way that's linked to who we are as people or how we've been yeah, brought up yeah. or what we've experienced. Whereas actually it's quite a physiological thing that's happening. Yeah, I did hypnobirthing a lot more with my first and my second, I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm having an elective C-section, but it's still, it's very helpful. Um, but yeah, I found that really interesting of like, oh, when you're scared or when you're anxious, your body goes, it's not safe to have a baby. Don't mm. do it. And you're like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I just so got you, to the bit yeah. in the hypnobirthing tapes where they go. So here's the thing. The mother needs to be in a safe space, sometimes dark, definitely private, or at least where they feel, yeah, comfortable. Yeah. Imagine... You know when you go away for a mini break and you can't poo? And that's what they say. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then you yeah. get home and like suddenly you're in the door and you just straight away hit the toilet. It's exactly the same situation. You can't shit when you don't feel safe and you can't <laughs> shit a baby out either. <laughs> that's essentially what they said, but in like much more kind of languid, honeyed yeah, I think tones. <laughs> my hypnobirthing teacher was like, you know how cats like go off somewhere and have a baby? Yeah, they same love thing. a cat. You need to go off somewhere. Yeah, and mm. it's it's... It's said in really nice language, but the the ultimate, <laughs> what they're actually saying is like, look, you can't do it in bright lights, yeah, with the sun streaming in your face and you're not in comfortable clothes, you need to be relaxed, which makes a lot of sense, makes a lot of sense, we're, we're animals, mm. makes a lot of sense. I mean, Helen, so obviously that's not why you're here today. So who are we going to be remembering today? Um, my grandma, Bridie. What was your, what's her name? So she actually had, which is kind of funny in itself, she had several names. She, okay. Her Christian name was Bridie, which is the Irish right. form of Bridget. Yeah. But she went by Pat, Patricia, because okay. the story goes that when she moved to England, when she was about 16, she started working in Lion's Cake Factory in London. And the girls on the floor with her said, oh, you don't look like a Bridget, you look like a Patricia. And so she just was like, fine, I'll take it. I think underneath that like quite lighthearted story, as 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 it seems to be the case with a lot of her stories from her kind of early days, mm. there's actually probably quite a lot of casual racism against yeah, or xenophobia yeah. at least against Irish people, and the fact that like maybe in fact the story I was told was they weren't prepared to say Bridget. Probably actually the truth was they weren't prepared to say Bridie because it was unusual. Yeah. So they yeah. just went like, "You look like a pat." <laughs> And she just took it's it, awful. yeah. I have my mm. my auntie growing up, her family were from Burma, Myanmar, mm. and I grew up with Auntie Mary. And then eventually someone said, Oh, her name's Blossom. And I was like, What? And they're like, Essex family. And they were like, Oh, when she went to work at the post office, they said, Well, I can't call you Blossom, you look like a Mary. Unreal. And so and it was like I remember being like a teenager being like, But that's awful like mm. why have we all called and they're like well just call to mary and you're like and now she completely goes by blossom well she's like reclaimed it thank god but yeah isn't that funny that it mm. probably was told to you as a jokey oh they call me pat but actually i'm sure it was bridie was an unusual name at it's that time. So or funny. maybe just too irish yeah i mean i love the name bridie i actually have it as my middle name it's beautiful and she didn't ever use it she used either Bridget or Pat mainly Pat and then occasionally like she was a very strong Catholic and I'm pretty sure I don't know whether it was just because it was said in the service but I'm pretty certain whenever I went to church with her to the cathedral the 
priest would always call her Bridget. So I don't know. I think she maybe picked and chose who <laughs> she used what I mean. When it suited with. her, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you want the priest to call you because it must it's a saint, isn't it? So maybe that's more Maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> so when did your grandma die? So she died in December. She actually died so this year. Well, like the year before so 2020. 2020. Oh wow, so very recent then. Yeah, super fresh. Wow. And um and what happened was we got, I mean, I don't know how you talk about lucky with it. We got lucky in the sense that given this year and everything that's happened with coronavirus, mm. she died before the Christmas lockdown happened. Right, okay. And so she was in the hospital. Ugh, I probably should just get it out of the way. She was hit by a bus mm. and uh, it was a real shock. She went in to buy some, she lived in Norwich her whole life after she moved from... London up to Norwich with my papa. They owned a chain of bakeries up there. They set up a chain of bakeries that were really successful and very, very popular. And she loved Norwich so much. <laughs> and like in a way that is comical because she said to me, she actually said to me well before any of this happened, mm. uh, we went to the coast with her, my boyfriend and I, in the September, you know, the easings of the lockdowns are yeah, all quite, yeah. so there's a little easing in September <laughs> when you could go on holidays. Anyway, we went to the coast with her to Goldstone and she loved it. She loved that beach. She said, uh, <laughs> Norfolk has the most beautiful beaches in the world. I won't be told different. She was quite adamant. <laughs> She's quite funny <laughs> in that way. I won't be told different. And I am so, I feel so blessed to have lived in Norwich. Mm. I'm so grateful to have lived my life in Norwich. I haven't, I, I want for nothing because I've been able to live That's in Norwich. That's what she said. Yeah. And it was amazing because, so what happened was. So that's just like the most beautiful, sweet so touching. thing to say. It makes her sound so sweet. Like she actually was a complete, you know, like she was such a strong woman, yeah, yeah. really brilliantly sarcastic and very funny. Um, but she would come out with these. Nothing, she, I, I, I want for nothing because I I want for nothing because I lived in Norwich. She was, ve- <laughs> she was one of those people who was very, because she was so religious and she, mm got up to say her Hail Mary every morning and she ha- she had this real presence you know I think effectively had a, a meditation practice if you mm. look at it in another way because she would get up really early and do her rosary and all that so she was very grateful for what she had and she said to me r- repeatedly during that year when most of the time we just spoke on the phone that she was she had no regrets you know if she if they yeah. took her, if if she got coronavirus you know she understood etc and so that was uh, when she got hit by the bit, this a bus. It was kind of extraordinary because it stopped. She basically, for someone who loved Norwich so much, she shut down. Mm. <laughs> I'm laughing because it was, it's kind of the only way I can really process it. She was such a powerful person, mm. such a strong figure in my life that honestly, I think the way I've processed it as a comedian probably is part of it. That like, there's no other way she would have gone. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no I know, one, I sometimes, they couldn't have taken phrase, her any like, other way. Yeah. You die as you live. That's what I found quite Like it took a whole bus. Yeah. Like, yeah, of like, <laughs> I had that with my dad, of like, he was such a strong personality and like, it, it, even though he went quick, it was, yeah, it took, he fought it. Mm. And then one, I think a nurse years and years ago said, yeah, you die as you live. And I thought, oh yeah, you can't, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It sometimes affects it. She, um, so, she shut down the whole city centre, like they cordoned off <laughs> all of the main streets. It was in the news. Mm. And that upsets me actually a bit because I know that she was a very proud person. And having been hit by, a, I, I got hit by a van once on my bike. And I remember the thing that kind of scared me the most about it, other than will I be able to walk again, was also all these people looking at me and feeling yeah. really embarrassed by the attention. Yeah. Because she got taken into hospital and she lived for a week on, um, you know, ventilators, etc. Mm. And we were told that we couldn't go and see her because of coronavirus and also because it was unlikely that she would last a day, right, mm. after she first got here. And then she actually lasted a week. And, the, and two days after she'd gone into the hospital, they said uh, her, her family can come in and see her. So her immediate, you know, sons and daughters came and then she has lots of grandchildren, including me, and then lots of great grandchildren as well, mm. like a huge family. And so the grandchildren were told, like, on the third day, 
you can come and most of them live in Norwich and so my boyfriend and I were like shall we go really torn mm. because because I was so <laughs> coinciding with this is uh, she, she was hit on the Monday mm. on the Thursday we had our 12 week scan for the baby yeah, and we hadn't told anyone other than my grandma up until that point. So she was wow. the only person we'd confided in um, because my parents are divorced and I didn't want to tell one of them without telling the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also didn't want to tell them because of COVID, mm. we were really conscious of like, if we lost the baby, we probably would tell them about it afterwards. Yeah. But it was just such a confusing time in terms of people struggling and yeah, being yeah. afraid that I didn't want to put even more anxiety on that. Mm. So it's probably odd you would think that I chose to tell my grandma, but she just there was the kind of person that I was like, you're the only person I really want to talk to about it. Mm. She, she's seen so many babies be born. She'd had so many babies herself. And she also just, I just wanted to tell her. Anyway, I'm so mm. grateful that I did because... Yeah. So we'd been talking about it for weeks, obviously. She'd been giving me oh. loads of advice, etc. And then was I told... Was she excited when she you She was really her? excited. Actually, do you know what? Do you know what, Carrie? I say she was excited. I told her, thinking that she would be like, um, so, feel so blessed to be yeah, the only yeah. one who knew. She said to me, Helen, I wish you hadn't told me. I wish you hadn't. I can't believe you told me before you told your father. I'm going to get in so much trouble, so much trouble, because she's his mother. And um, and she said to me, you should have waited, you should have waited, you should have waited until you knew for sure. I said, I didn't want someone to tell you. We had this really funny kind of yeah. telling each other off, but in a quite, um, you know, sarcastic way relationship. And uh, and I said, I thought you would be happy. I thought you'd feel <laughs> grateful to know you're so lonely up there. She's like, I'm not that lonely. People still come and see me through the window all the time. <laughs> so funny. Anyway. I don't need your news. Now you exactly. burden me with your news. Exactly. Oh, I'm so glad you did. That's amazing. So lucky. Because then we yeah. told my mum on the Saturday, we went for a walk with her because we wanted to do it in person, right? So we told my mum on the Saturday, she was extremely pleased, my stepdad too. Uh, we told my dad on the Sunday, we went for a walk with him. You know, it was all about like arranging mm. outdoor meets. Yeah. And so everyone, and then I told all my brothers on the phone, or we told all my boyfriend's family, I think, because we knew we weren't going to see them in person. We told them all on like Thursday on like video call and stuff because mm. they live quite kind of across the world. And so everyone knew. And it was like, oh, okay, this big weight had been lifted because we'd felt quite isolated with this information. Yeah. Coupled with like the isolation already of, of COVID. And... Then on the Monday night, my dad called me and said, Grandma's been hit by a bus in, in the centre of Norwich and she's gone into hospital. And it was just like this transition was so extreme. Mm. So when it came to deciding whether to go and see her in the hospital, we were like, should we go? Is it dangerous mm. for the baby? But also, is she going to last? Because the information we were getting was she's deteriorating really rapidly. It's two hours two and a half hours drive, you might not get there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I actually had a call with my agent who I hadn't told about the pregnancy. And I was like, I'd whip myself up into such a frenzy that I was like, I have to tell her because I've been keeping this information from her for ages and I really wanted to know. But at the same time, like if she's going to drop me, I mean, like, this is so <laughs> awful because she never would. Like it's so um, her no, character. pregnant, but as I'd, we were talking I'd, about before, it's like that, the paranoia of a you know, a female performer being pregnant, you just think, oh my God, oh my yeah. God, is this it? My life's over. You just turn everyone into monsters in your mind. Yeah. You're like, they're gonna, they just, they just won't want this. Used goods. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> She's done now. So I, She's I done. hit her with this information on a video call. I went, hi, so great to see you. Got a few things to cover. Just so you know, I am pregnant. I know, really exciting. Yeah, just had the 12 week scan. Everything looks good. Also, my grandma just got hit by a bus. So she's in hospital and we're just about to maybe leave to go and see her. And my agent was like, just go. We don't have yeah. to have this meeting. I was like, but I need to let you know. So the podcast, we've got a few people coming out. We're about to release. <laughs> because I'd held, because I hadn't, I hadn't, 
phoned her. Yeah, yeah. We hadn't really been phoning anyone because we don't like lying or hiding stuff. So the fact that we were keeping the baby information meant that we just yeah. stopped contacting people. Yeah, you just can't because people go, how are you? And you're like, pregnant, 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 but I can't tell you. <laughs> exactly. And so it's all you can, yeah, it's really so hard. So I hit her with all of this info and she was like, okay, breathe. We can do this call whenever and mm. please go. You should go. And I was like, you're right, I should go. So we put down the, well, however you put down a video call, closed the laptop, came out to Sam was like, I think we should go. He was like, great, I'm ready. And he was, he was incredible because he had lost his grandmother weirdly exactly nine years before, like the same day. And uh, and again, she was an incredibly like powerful person in his life. But she, a lot of his family live in the states. He's from America. His, his parents are both from America, and so he'd gone out to. He knew that she, she actually had quite a long term condition, I think. But he'd been told like she's deteriorating and it's likely she will pass away. And so he'd caught this flight, but it was when. Mm, what was it? It was like this. I don't think it were. I can't remember what the storm was called, but there was a big storm oh, on, yeah, yeah. and it was like a, a kind of whiteout, effectively. So the mm. plane was delayed. He he flew to New York. He got there, and she died an hour before he arrived. Oh, so he so was he like, had a much more like you yeah, need to do this. From his yeah. perspective, he was like, if we drive for two and a half hours and she's died, nothing lost, absolutely yeah, nothing lost. And you're lost. still in the place, you know. You still made it. You still get to see her body maybe I know I think sometimes we forget like what you're going to say goodbye doesn't necessarily need that person to be completely conscious and like hello yes oh goodbye okay thank you like those moments don't exist so so you went and you got to the hospital and yeah did she so she She was still still, she was still alive definitely still alive and she was still I think aware my mum said to me afterwards that with her mum uh, the doctors had said to her, you know, the last one of the last things to go is hearing. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. that's often said. Yeah, she. I held her hand. Like, you know, I didn't really. In a way, a great thing about the fact that we, there was, we knew because of the injuries, that she wasn't going to. There was, mm. you know, no way she was going to come back from that. So I kissed her. You know, I didn't. I had no fear about. You know, if I I didn't have COVID, but if I yeah. had, then I obviously could have passed it on to her, and yeah, and I yeah. didn't worry about that at all. I, you know, I was very, you know, I really stroked her and held her hands and spoke to her, and I got to say all the things that I think if I hadn't gone physically, mm. would have just been circling around my brain. Mm. for a long time because it was such a surreal series of events in terms of like at the end of that week we got locked down for the Christmas lockdown so at the end of that week they then were like oh you can't see any of your family for Christmas either and so the whole week was just full of quite big drama Mm. from both like brilliant to awful and I don't I don't think physically I would have taken it in when dad called Mm. I couldn't really process the information at all that that had happened to her and so seeing her in the hospital, weirdly, even though for various reasons, by that point she didn't she didn't have her own teeth because the mm. year before she'd had quite serious heart surgery and they'd taken all her teeth out. And um, and she normally wore false teeth, but obviously in the hospital she didn't have them in. So yeah. and because of the way her, her jaw had been broken, she sort of you know her face had gone quite slack, and she had bruises underneath what we could see, the sheets, from where the impact had happened. But oddly, she didn't look as bad as I had Mm. imagined. Yeah, I guess when you hear car accident, your head is like, oh my God, oh my God, this, yeah, we are recognisable. So I think in my head, I had thought that she would be, yeah, like, I think it was great that I could see her and she was still Mm. grandma. And if you sat on like a certain side of the bed, you could see less of, you know, in terms of bruising and it was it was really amazing to be able to like my boyfriend came in with me and he just sort of sat with me while I was with her and to begin with it was odd to speak to her I had all these kind of things running around in my mind that I wanted to say and it felt very 
almost stagey to speak yeah, to somebody yeah. who's not going to talk back to you and like and and kind of rehearse. But the more I spoke, the more natural it felt. Mm. And I let myself cry and I let myself talk to her about everything and just about how much she meant to me and how much she would be missed and how much we loved her and how much I wanted to let her know as well that like she could go because yeah. she was. You, you didn't really get much more of a matriarch. Like, she was the head of this really big family. All of the people who had had stayed living in Norwich in terms of, like, my aunties and my cousins and my nieces and nephews saw her every day, you mm. know? They spoke to her three or four times a day. They were really... We spoke, like, once or twice a week, but they were, like... It, she was so much part of their lives. And I think she didn't die... She didn't die for a week... And part of me thinks it's because she was sort of slowly, like allowing everyone. Because mm. by that point, come everyone had her. come. Everyone wow, had come yeah. to say goodbye. Yeah. And um, and also just yeah, like she just spent a lifetime really, of enduring, so many different shocks and challenges. That like it's all that tenacity. Mm. Just seemed to, I can understand why it. She wouldn't have just sort of gone straight away. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, isn't it? That um, and it's taken me years to get my head around that. Again, like we're saying, like you know, you die as you live. And mm. having spoken to more um, people who work in palliative care, of like, and obviously it doesn't always work this way. But yeah, I think sometimes people need to know it's it's okay to go. And I mm. think yeah, I can't help but see some. I'm sure any doctor listen. No, there's no science to this feeling, but it's a feeling. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, she wanted to see everybody and was holding out, especially when people are like, oh, there's no way they're going to last a week. And then they do. And then <laughs> everyone's been ticked off and you're like, oh, interesting. She held on. <laughs> yeah. People hold on sometimes. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. But I'm really, oh, I really feel for you because this year has been so strange and we've all been put through such a, a weird circumstance. So, mm. you know, normally normal life oh you know you're you're this awful tragic accident of course you just go up to Norwich and see her but everything now requires this like mm. 10 minute discussion with your your closest unit mm. of, like should we do that is that okay do you think that's all right that we're and we're totally. gonna dry like and it's like this added problem solving we have to do so to yeah be early pregnant during covid heading towards what you know we didn't realize was this another massive wave yeah. but I'm really glad that you went because yeah, I think, well, everything I've read, even though I know some people don't make this choice, but everything I've read has said, you know, it's very beneficial to see to see the body, to see them, because your brain goes, up. Oh, mm. this has happened. And like you said, if you don't see that, it, it can sometimes be worse in your imagination, I guess, you know? Definitely. I think I'm a very physical person. I think I need to experience things to, like, be, yeah, in order for them to register. Yeah, and also yeah. a big thinker. So if, if it was just left to my brain, I would have really yeah dwelled on it in a way that I don't think would have been healthy at all or helpful and she did as we were leaving I came up really close to her ear and sort of said you know the last things I wanted to say to her and she did open her eyes and you know look oh. at me so I think she was still she was still there mm. for sure mm. oh Helen that's <laughs> yeah um, like that's just it's so do you know what's so weird about this time is that with the because it's obviously coupled with the pregnancy and I feel so grateful that I got to tell her about it and have those first mm. kind of 12 weeks or so but uh she just like I'm I'm close to my mum for sure and I don't want to take anything away from her but it was a different relationship with my grandma mm. and and I think in many ways she and I are really similar in character mm. which I say with like great reverence because it would be a huge compliment to be like her and um and I just really wanted to be able to talk to her. I really, I quite regularly really want to be able to ask her questions about how she laboured and stuff because we mm. never got to that. Because like I have, I don't really have my mum's legs. I have like my grandma's really strong <laughs> <laughs> haunches. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's going to affect like how I like, yeah, ground down or whatever. And she yeah, just, no, that's so yeah. that stuff like that is because I don't know like my mum at all. Like I do obviously mm. with face but I have my grandma's figure absolutely this <laughs> yeah. tiny short Welsh woman and my mum had like really easy births so I was a bit cocky I was like I'll oh, probably be right too easy births and then when I went through <laughs> what I went through I was like 
oh uh, yeah I don't look like her do I I have my grandma and it's that weird thing of of being someone who gives birth of mm. like you have to sort of suddenly assess your body in a different way and be like oh those hips that I've always been complimented on are very small mm. <laughs> they are not going to push a baby out oh man <laughs> like all my life I was like oh yeah great and I'm like oh when you want a baby that's when the big hips are very very welcome um so yeah it's hard that you didn't I'm obviously amazing that you got that she knew but yeah of course you're gonna and especially you're so fresh like it only just happened hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So what did, what happened about funeral? Because that was hit of lockdown, right? Yeah, so we got to have <clears throat> the third we got we got thirty, I think. Mm. And we did it in the big cathedral in Norwich, which she was a, a kind of yeah, a regular attender of. And so we were super socially distanced because it's massive. So yeah, that's like, what I was going to say. Huge, huge venue, good work. per row and then like yeah. three rows between each. And then we Skyped in because she's being Irish and from a family of like eight daughters and one brother. Mm. She, a half of her family went to, were sent to America basically because it was that mm. era. Yeah. So uh, all of this American family like, Skyped in. It's so funny when like the duties or like the responsibilities for arranging the funeral were kind of portioned out. My cousin, my incredible cousin, took a lot of it because she is really into organizing events and stuff. And so in a way, they were they were so close. And I think it was really important for her to to take yeah. that role. But my brother got given like Skype duties, like Zoom <laughs> Zoom duties, which is such an odd, like ordinarily would never be something you'd have to consider. Anyway, yeah, so we were able to have, we had like um, the funeral at the cathedral with like the high Catholic service. And then mm. my dad did a memorial which was amazing. He's a he's a brilliant public speaker. I've never seen it before. Like, uh, predominantly, he would have just done it in a business setting. Yeah. And I didn't... I actually... I thought he was going to be a mess because they were extremely closed. Yeah. And he held it together in this way that was, like, extraordinary. And then there was this quite funny clash because I had said that I'd like to say some words as well, but they hadn't... I don't think that had been communicated through to the kind of the priest who was like putting it all together mm. and so as a consequence they'd scheduled it like really specifically and I thought because I was doing a reading I could just say a few words after the reading yeah. the priest was like no no the choir comes in then <laughs> and it's all like it's in the order of service so we can't oh, change right. yeah, it like yeah. really sticking to the letter so I spent the whole service going like when am I going to say these words that I prepared should I just not say them and then after dad had done this incredible speech which is so beautiful this eulogy rather that just captured her and like all of the funniness of her life and all of the kind of love that she gave to her family the priest was like and now and just like gestured to me and I was like how can I follow that it felt yeah. really <laughs> I felt like, like oh, trying to do gosh, a gig after someone totally. absolutely smashed it like, like oh, no oh, it's just like if I was the MC and this guy just headlined I'd, I'd just come on and go like thanks everybody what a great night yeah, and then go off but, yeah, but instead yeah. I had this like I did have something prepared that I'd kind of and because my dad's eulogy had been so affecting I, I barely you know, I got the words out, but I was mm. extremely emotional. And afterwards, I had this great conflict of feeling like, should I not have spoken? Was it more about me than it was about her and stuff? And 
my boyfriend reassured me, but it just felt really odd. Like I definitely should have spoken before my dad instead of following him. <laughs> so it was tough. It was. It but you was didn't weird. know. You didn't know he was going to smash out the park. Oh wow! Like it's he, tough. I've spoken at lots of yeah. funerals, and you don't. You never know. Like sometimes <laughs> you're like, thank God the performer is here. I can perform. I can do this. I can pull this back. Other times you're like. Uh, excuse me, that uncle who works in HR seems to be an incredible <laughs> speaker. What? Yeah. Did not know that. So yeah, you don't know. And also it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's so hard with funeral. I think you have to do what you feel you have to do in a way, mm. you know, as long as it's not, you know, like telling the priest, back off, I've got another 20 minutes, okay? And I'm going to keep going. Like obviously you have to be it's respectful. It's such an odd one to negotiate as well when you do have lots of cousins <clears throat> and siblings. Yeah, it's such a huge family. Because I think... <coughs> It's weird. It's so, isn't it funny when your your friends and family are really um, big in real life, like mm. happily hold the floor at a restaurant or, you know, just like a party, or whatever, but put them in a like quote unquote public speaking role mm. and they really don't want to go there. So often I'll feel like, oh, should I not? Am I? Does, does somebody else want to talk? And mm. then I realise actually, no, they really don't. They really, they really don't, don't want, want to. to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for me, it's like if I don't say something, I feel like I, I have got this comfort. I am. I, I have. I, I thought about it for a long. Like I've been th- thinking about it with my grandma for a long time. Really, mm. would I speak at her funeral? And I'd always felt like I would want to, because it's like my way of expressing my love yeah. I think yeah and you did a re- what was the reading did, was it a bible reading yeah it was a bible reading and to be fair I didn't really know it was about um I think I was thinking so much about what I was going to say I was kind of like oh oh yeah I'll do the reading as well sure 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 <laughs> and the reading was really beautiful and people said to me afterwards well people actually said to me afterwards I've, that reading was I think I've never heard I've never heard such a good reading in church and I was like oh seriously I just I just read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas for me, the thing, performer, that had, the thing that held so much emotion, they were like, yeah. barely heard it, mate. It looked like you were having a, it looked like you got something out of your system. Yeah. You needed to do it. We weren't really focused, but oh, when the Bible hit, oh, I, was, I was there. <clears throat> had you talked to her about death at all? I had never, I mean, we'd spoken about it in the sense that like, on that holiday to the coast, she was saying consistently my boyfriend like worships her because he just thinks he's into meditation and kind of trying to be present and I say that as if it's like a hobby like most people I think at this time are really (laughs) trying to um but he thought she was such a g because she could just Mm. sit and kind of she'd been on her own that's such a bad way to phrase it I hate it my mum when she and my dad divorced People always used to say, "Oh, she was on her own for ten years before she remarried my before she married my stepdad." Yeah, it's like, I wasn't and it's on like my own. <laughs> we were there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and my Stuff brother were present for the whole time. She wasn't yeah. like completely alone. But in terms of her marriage, my papa died very young, relatively, and so she had yeah lived without him for about twenty five. Oh wow! Okay, 30, nearly yeah. thirty years. Yeah, and um. And so she had this capacity to kind of sit and be and just sort of like look at the horizon mm. for a good like couple of hours, just thinking, just kind of. And my boyfriend really respected that kind of capacity to just be, you know, without having to distract. Yeah. She never had a phone. Whenever you were with her, it felt quite funny if you took out your phone because yeah, you were just yeah. really conscious of being distracted and she was yeah. always very present. So we'd talked about, like I said, the fact that she, she said to me, so she managed the money in the bakery to mm. the extent that she would like carry home <laughs> cash in like these heavy sacks and then you just had this image of her that was always ever so slightly tinged with she probably could have been an organised crime boss do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah and, um, Given the right, the right exactly. wrong circumstances she knew what to do Yeah, Exactly, like you were never certain whether there was kind of like a hidden basement vault where she kind of kept things off the side from the tax man or whatever and um (laughs) she'd hate me saying that so much it was just like I would tease her with those kinds of things even though she was whiter than white um and uh she was very hardworking and very driven and like a real grafter and Mm. she always used to say to me because I would always talk to her about I think to prove myself, really, I would always like list off all the things I was doing so that she didn't think I was lazing about being an artist. And she was the one who was always saying to me, you have to, 
you have to take your pleasures where you can. You know, me and Papa, we went on the QE2 twice. <laughs> you know, so they, so they, they would they would work really hard but they would also spend their money and yeah, yeah. and they would definitely share it out they were really generous with their family so i think she had a life where she had been really in the moment and she'd really enjoyed she'd yeah she'd really worked for her money and then she'd really enjoyed spending the money mm. and that was that was the way she spoke about her whole, that was kind of the approach she took to her whole yeah way of being was to just you make the most of this moment and then if they take you, is the way she used to say, you know, if God chooses, if God chooses, he wants me, mm. then I'm ready. And I, I genuinely think she, she believed that because also for sure, she definitely thought she would be with my papa in yeah, heaven. Yeah. And I think that gave her a great sense of, you know, she, that's, that's who she wanted to be with. And she said, because of how, uh, how, how much she sort of, valued the economy mm. so she said to me Helen I I don't you know I've had my time I've enjoyed my life I've lived to the full I'm 87 years old and if I go if Covid if I get the Covid uh, it doesn't it's more important that these people are able to go back to work you know Marks and Spencer's has been closed for months now and it's likely they might go into administration I don't want my life to be put above Marks and Spencer's she <laughs> loved Marks and Spencer's so much she lived for Mark m &S. It was so she oh would say God. those kinds of things like because she yeah she really worried about people being out of work yeah, unemployment yeah. you know she worried about the legacy of Covid and how protecting people of her age was going to ultimately potentially oh hit people who are younger you know like the idea of economic collapse is is not it's not a price worth paying to keep my life you know so it's funny <laughs> that actually she didn't go so we talked about life in that sense wow. we talked about death in that sense that she was like she was openly sort of saying to the world put me out <laughs> put me out <laughs> i guess also i mean this is me making two and two equal five but i guess i'm assuming that the childhood that she'd had mm. like you said people going to america people coming to london had mm. been a stressful economic time so for her it was like mm. we can't do that again like you've got to go you've got to move forward all of that kind of aspect yeah, but that's incredible i think it was very practical i think she had grown up her mother had died with the last of her sisters so she was right bang in the middle of these eight sisters wow. and she her eldest sister had basically become the mother mm. and had raised them. And so I think there was definitely a self-sufficiency. There was definitely a need to make your own way in the world. And uh, with the idea of changing her name, for example, I don't, I think there would be an element of assimilation to that. But I also mm. think there was just an element of like practically, like what can I do to make things easier? Yeah, and also yeah. as well, like I think about it, it's nice to have a nickname. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if it does become your <laughs> your full time name. name. Yeah. Yeah. It's um she was really into her community, like she was really well known. Uh, the fact that we had such a small funeral, I think it would have been packed to the mm. rafters if it hadn't been COVID times. So it's so hard to have yeah, like you said, it, this would be, you know, like I said, a sad story anyway. Yeah. But to have this in COVID and then to go into that Christmas which we all went through, which was complete mm. lockdown. Yeah, how did you feel like your grieving has been affected by the bizarre circumstances that this has occurred in? Because obviously you knew yeah. your grandmother, you know, we know grandparents are old, it's going to happen eventually. But to have it be given at this point in time in your life is, is unusual, obviously. It's such a funny combination of things. When it first happened, I felt like, so in that first 12 weeks of, of pregnancy, mm. I had been seeking like perinatal mental health support because mm. I think the isolation of COVID, the fact that we weren't able to do our jobs in terms of comedy, yeah, yeah. the fact that I was going through this massive life change, which affects women anyway, in terms of like, what's my identity going to be afterwards? How's it mm. going to affect my career? At a time when I couldn't do my career, really. Yeah, yeah. So already it felt like that there was a kind of loss happening there. So mm. I just, my brain was a little bit, so I was seeking support, therapy through the NHS and it was taking a long time because I had to have like assessment after assessment in order to kind of qualify and is how it felt at least mm. I know that probably isn't the right word qualification but sometimes it feels like you're having to prove how much you're struggling in order to be held and um because they're so stretched obviously 
And after she died, uh, my immediate reaction was, okay, okay. And this is, I, I'm acknowledging this is like heavily full of judgment. I don't feel like this now, but I was like, okay, I've got to stop with that bullshit now. I can't, I can't be wobbly. I can't be vulnerable. I have to like step into my grandma's power. If she's not gonna be physically around anymore. I have to take what she always gave me, which was this strength and this reassurance and this guidance and this sense of like, actually, ultimately, this sense I was deeply loved, mm. um, always from her. Yeah, I never questioned that from her, um, which I think is is a real gift because yeah. often I had done with like, you know, other various fam family things, but she was always very stable. And I had to take that and I had to like put that into my body put that into my baby and also just like the way I was approaching things. So I, I weirdly drew this quite kind of like, in the most immediate response is quite kind of practical, like clarity of mm. like, I have to, um, I have to stop mucking about. <laughs> I have to stop feeling sorry for myself and yeah, being like, I what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. Um, that didn't laugh. It's good, because that's such a hot... I was going to say, like, that's classic, like, first reaction to grief. And I was yeah. like, you're not... You know, this is so fresh for you. And mm. I remember, like, after my when my dad died, like, I remember hearing me and my brother say, you know, oh, yeah, you know, he wouldn't want to be ill for a long time. So, yeah, you know, people, these things happen. And my brother was like, yeah, and I'll take over his business. And it, like all these things you just, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, and you're, you're just in shock. So your brain, your mouth is just saying things and your brain is like, yeah. what are you saying? <laughs> That's not who we are. And you're like, no, no, don't worry, I got it. Um, yeah, it's going to be fine. And, you know, obviously terrible, but there you go, people, you move on. Because you're, you're just trying to process what the fuck just happened someone said to me and i actually was like no not that thank you i won't have that i won't be taking that thank you someone said to me um well you know with this baby that's coming often people think oh, that, like God. someone yeah. has to go in order for someone oh, else to come through yeah. and i was like do you know what actually is not going to be helpful for me is imagining that in order for my baby to live my grandma had to die i was yeah. like i'm not having that I'm not having any no. of that. Thank you very much no. for your offering of very bizarre <laughs> folklore. I actually, weirdly, my... What's that? Yeah, well, that must have been my daughter. Mm. Uh, my grandma died just before my daughter was born, mm. about four months. But I was not close to my grandmother. Um, <laughs> various reasons. No offence, grandma, but she was not a happy lady. <laughs> and, um, and I, yeah, similar things. Or people were like, oh, well, you'll, you know you'll call her after or something. And I was like, we had a very difficult relationship. Um, so no, like obviously it's very sad and I'm sad, but like, yeah, it's, I think people want a neat narrative. Like, mm. oh, that's why, and oh, now her soul will be, and you're like, that's weird. And also you're like this, I think with, it annoys me when people do this like to babies as if they're not a person already. So it's a person already. You can't I just think be like, it's really tough, the idea of naming, because mm. I was like, I, as we've talked about, I really love the name Bridie. Oh, it's beautiful. And I had, um, I had always thought about it, about using it mm. um, as a, a kid's name. But I, I talked about it with my boyfriend and and it, this is before we knew what gender the baby would be. And he, I think quite uh, rightly said, like, it's such a big legacy as well. Yeah. Like, and also I think for my dad, et cetera, to hear the name, mm. it, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's tough to, to pass on within those three generations, I think is tough. Maybe if it had been yeah. like a great, you know, if it's like yeah, a bit yeah. higher, a bit more distant, but if it's so close, I know somebody who all the men in their family are the same name. <laughs> and I just, I guess I think, at that point, that confusing? It, it, it's, yeah, well then they all go by their second names. That's why it's oh, silly. Right, yeah, yeah. Cause otherwise it's so, yeah. And everyone has to be listed second name. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like, and my grandma that died was the Welsh side. And I did mm. think, oh, that would be, you know, should I acknowledge that in some way? But then actually my husband lost his mum about six years ago and he was very, very close to her. And we sort of chose, uh, my daughter has the same middle name as she as, as mm. his mum. So we did it that way. So it was like, and uh, yeah, we kind of felt, also it's funny because um, people were like, oh, you could name her after his mother. And then we were like, oh, we don't like that name. <laughs> so you're like, <laughs> how much do you want to honour someone? You're like, no, not that name. Well, I like it, it was her, but I don't, I wouldn't love it for, yeah. for be a bit of an odd name now. So you're like, yeah. you sort of realise like, I want to honour them, but like within my realms of standards of what I want. Yeah. But I agree, it's a lot, it's a lot. It's a, And obviously if you choose to do that, it's absolutely fine. But I think especially with you being so fresh and that grief. And like what I, 
what I've experienced when talking to people a lot who are pregnant when something happened is like and maybe this is a shit thing to say to you hopefully it's not but like you Mm. almost have to delay your grief a bit because you're busy building a baby so Mm. you kind of have to go I can't really get into (laughs) this as fully as perhaps I would if it was just me like I have someone else to think about so yeah totally I know a lot of women that have been pregnant had a grief gone okay okay it's there had the baby and then it maybe hit them a little bit later not in a like negative way but just because when you're pregnant, it kind of takes up all the room. <laughs> My family were really protective of me, actually. Yeah. At the funeral, at yeah, when we were deciding whether or not to go in, they were really... And I, it was funny because I... It's, it's so funny. When you're a really independent person who uh, sees themselves... I also, I'm quite kind of like... Mess, you know, I'm physically quite messy. Mm. I sort of throw myself into things. I'm always like chucking myself... I'm always cycling everywhere and running everywhere and chucking myself about. So it was really funny being kind of, I guess, coddled in that way of people, yeah. you know, trying to wrap me in. And I, I, I appreciated it. I did. I really appreciated it. I think um, what was funny for people around me who were not family, um, I say I had that odd conversation with my agent. I then for sort of the next three weeks at least, because I felt this need to give people the facts, uh, when I said, when I, would, I was telling people that I was pregnant, which I did much less than I expected because mm. I was expecting to tell people having held it all in. I then actually really dialed it back because I was like, I don't want to share this information because I feel like it has to come with an addendum. Yeah. And so I would tell people and then I'd be like, but also this just happened with my grandma. So we're kind of, we're not necessarily in this hugely crazy yeah, celebratory yeah. mode. And I felt so sorry for other people because it was like they went cross-eyed. You know, one <laughs> side of their face was like, congratulations. And the other was like, oh my God. <laughs> and um, it was really, it was like, yeah, they were stuck in the matrix. Difficult for them to compute how to communicate yeah. with that. Especially at this time as well, I think, because mm. everyone's so confused anyway and haven't really spoken to anyone. So any kind of social interaction that's awkward or, you know, unexpected, you're like, how does this work? What congratulations, Helen? But also, oh shit! <laughs> like, totally, yeah. yeah, it's it's really. It's funny you say that about being coddled as well. <clears throat> when I was pregnant, my first child, I was still touring with ostentatious. Like I was lifting stuff, and they would try mm. and grab things off me. I was like, oh my god, come on, guys! Like, who cares? I'm oh my god, like this is so patronising. And then when I had her, my recovery was quite hard because I'd sort of overdone it because I was really yeah. working like up to the last minute because. Yeah. You've got to work, right? You've got to work. Perform, yeah, you've got to work. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, with my second, I think once you've when you've had when you've had them, they got bigger, you realise like what people are saying is like there's a person in there. But mm. when you're pregnant the first time, I think you just feel like, Well, I'm pregnant. I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then with the second run, I was like, I'm not doing anything. You can lift it. Like open the door. I was so mm. completely like coddle, please. And if they people didn't coddle enough, I was like, What are you doing? I'm pregnant. I can't <laughs> possibly walk up these stairs. Because I felt completely different about it. But yeah, obviously each, each pregnancy is really different. And it's just a lot it's a lot to go through, I suppose. And I suppose that's what people's faces are giving you mm. when you tell them is they're like, not only are you pregnant, not only have you lost a very important person to you, but also in the middle of the pandemic and your industry isn't working. Like, oh, that's a lot. It's a lot to balance. The funniest thing was I am um, going through all of this and thinking about comedy in general and, and what mm. it's going to be like on the other yeah. side of both the birth and the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, my grandma and I, I feel like so much of my sense of humour and um, kind of cheekiness and yeah even like storytelling style has been like has been passed down from her Mm. like is rooted in her and so it's this funny funny feeling of when I uh, burst into life occasionally as as is lovely you know when you you just get in a funny mood and you can feel yourself kind of in the flow as it were Mm. which I've noticed happens less because I'm gigging less and just like the deadline of a gig really and a live audience really turns that juice on but when it has happened occasionally uh during this time I felt this really odd combination of like delight Mm. to be to be in that place but also I guess it's grief because Mm. it's like oh that's when I actually feel really connected to her Mm. and uh and kind of realize most deeply what I've lost in a way that yeah yeah it's a really tense combo of like being so grateful to have that legacy Mm. and also remembering who that's come from 
Yeah. I think I'm really glad that you used the word grief because I was talking about this. I was interviewing someone yesterday and I think sometimes we try and pin it down of like, oh, I'm sad about this. I'm this. It's like, it's just grief. It's just, that is what, like what you're describing as grief is this, it's lots of things at the same time. And it's this feeling of like, wow, I knew them and I was loved, but they're also not here. And also I'm so glad that they were here, but also like, fuck, (laughs) that's shit that people go and they can't stay with you and you, all you have is this memory. And I think especially with children, when you move into that, you know, if you choose to move into that stage of your life of thinking, oh, they won't know them. And I, where have I picked up that skill from? And like, it's, it, it's sort of like fundamental human stuff, isn't it? Like who you are, the basis of who you are and why you are like that. Mm. But it's it's good that you're, I think it's good that you're noticing it and experiencing it and all of those things. That's all you can do really is just allow yourself to feel them. And it is hard. It is hard, especially as you said, like, because we're not gigging at all really. Or we're hopefully starting again. And mm. that, like you said, the the joy of, silliness and I wonder if the pandemic wasn't on if you would still have that like if gigs were readily available to you would you still be like oh yeah, I don't know if I right. can be funny actually because I definitely felt like yeah. when I was at my most griefy it was like walking on stage to be funny it was like oh like <laughs> yeah no thank like, you I definitely had plans and this just shows how desperately I was like <sighs> desperately I was thinking gosh if I'm gonna have to have this time off to have the baby I better milk the pregnancy for some sort of career <laughs> value right I was like when we finally um are safe to tell people I'm pregnant um I'll I'll, I'll get into TikToks I'll do some pregnancy TikToks <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> with my plan right? oh, I've thought and that then, occasionally oh maybe I should do that I should do TikTok and I'm like I'm so tired I'm just oh. so tired um and and then uh, everything that happened with grandma was like I don't want to be public at the moment yeah. I don't want to put myself out there in any way yeah I think that's good that you're listening to yourself like mm. that, I think that's really a really strong choice <laughs> because people don't they don't they go well that's a silly feeling that's silly you're probably fine come on and that has the voice they've internalized and clearly mm. you have a nicer kind of voice that's like yeah I just don't want to so I'm not going to because I think if this lock you know it, I hate saying like if it's taught us anything because what was it taught us is chaos exists there's nothing you can do about much most things <laughs> but like if it can teach us anything is like yeah that being quiet and being private I guess especially as performers yeah. is actually no bad thing I've definitely had a few moments of like of course I miss it I miss it so much but equally having time away from it has been yeah quite helpful to evaluate what it did what like mm. and what I was using it for what it was mm. what, what it was filling and all of that stuff so yeah so your baby's due quite soon mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah and how are you feeling now like you said with um that sense of I mean I guess we're easing so that's helpful hopefully mm. but that sense of like going through grief being isolated and the mental health like are you feeling like it's helpful that you can see more people or is it, is it still been a Definitely. very yeah I think it's so helpful I think the way I communicate I mean it's so clear in my stand-up and everything I do is through conversation and through mm. sharing experiences and asking other people and just chatting it out yeah. and not being able to do any of that really impacted me, really made me feel quite isolated and quite kind of at a crisis point. And um, also, I'm sure just hormonally, mm. I think I've gotten on better with the third trimester than any of them because the second trimester, everyone kept saying to me, ooh, are you feeling those sweet second try <laughs> hormones? And I was like, no, I think I'm in grief. Yeah, and, um, grieving. So yeah. those second try hormones are like, not enough, mate, need more. Yeah, so now <coughs> I feel a bit more like, now the prospect of the baby being here is like mm. much more present. I'm really pumped for it. I'm, I know it's, I'm, uh, I'm doing all of this listening to the tapes now, probably quite late in the day, but I'm going to start, I, I will start doing the yoga. <laughs> oh, um, mate, don't worry. You've got plenty of time, 30 but, weeks. Um, the prospect of the birth is weirdly like a show. Like, mm. not in the sense I'm going to perform it, but like, I did the marathon a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And I really loved the challenge of it. I yeah. mean, I would say you can prepare for a marathon so much more efficiently than you can for birth. A marathon, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. do like, you have a set number of miles you run every week and it increases by one mile a week. Pregnancy, you're like just waiting and yeah. doing some stretches. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm kind of having that is exciting. And also the prospect of being able to 
I think we're going to have a ceremony, like a celebration ceremony for grandma where we can touch, where oh, we can hug yeah, and yeah. drink and go to a pub. Uh, she was actually a lifelong teetotaler, so it was quite <laughs> odd that we all felt this, we felt so deprived that we couldn't drink. But she was also a great host, so she'd get drinking for everyone else. She just never would drink it herself. And it felt really, that was the oddest thing mm. to like have this two, three act, because we went to a crematorium after the cathedral. And to have this two, three hours. She also played one of her choices of songs, which was so funny, was You Are the Wind Beneath My Wings. <laughs> and we were sitting there listening to it in the creme, crying, but also confused, like, who is who is the wind in this analogy? Because I couldn't tell the kind of person she was. It, it could be both. Like, she could be telling her family, like, you are the wind beneath yeah, my wings, yeah. you lift me up. But also reminding us, like, she was the wind the beneath wind. our wings. <laughs> Don't forget, guys. Yeah, Don't forget. Exactly. Like, I know I'm gone, but let's not just rush ahead and like, remember me. Yeah, why yeah, not? Exactly. Why not end your funeral with remember me, guys? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you scatter her ashes? Did you get a chance to... No, so that's what we're going to do, I think. Oh, we'll yeah. do a ceremony around that when we can all be together. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Well, Helen, thank you so much for talking to me about her. And I just, I really feel for you, as I'm sure many people will, going through this situation hard situation anyway but to go through it in this insane year that we've had is just yeah like hats off to you and all of your family having to deal with funerals in crematoriums when mm. you can't get a hug at the end of it is yeah really really challenging so i hope you do get a, yeah a little celebration Thank you. it's been so nice to talk about her i don't know Aww. if you picked up but i just like i actually am probably too much in awe of her i think yeah <laughs> it was so nice, nice to be able to share about her yeah I think it's nice. I think I was really in awe of my grandpa. And I remember my dad always seeming a bit confused. And I can see, <laughs> yeah. like, now my daughter is so in awe of my grandma. So, mm. of my mum, sorry, her grandma. And obviously, I'm not confused, but I you you start to see that what that generation actually means. And then mm. I think, why not? Why not have a grandparent you're in awe of? It's a nice thing. Even, yeah. if, you know, you might look closer and be like, they did what? <laughs> Just don't look too close. Um, well, no, thank you for talking to us about... Bridget, Bridie, Patricia, Pat. Pat. <laughs> Pat, we'll end on Pat. I'm sure she would appreciate that. It yeah. was really lovely. Thank you. You can follow Helen on Twitter and Instagram at Duff Marvel. That's D-U-F-F-M-A-R-V-E-L. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. It was recorded remotely in uh, my living room and her recording booth, I think. And the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs>